Y'all have your Bibles? You have your Bible? Turn to two passages of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 3. They're pretty close. 2 Corinthians 5 and Galatians chapter 3. And as you're turning, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us today because I really believe He's got some transforming truth from His Word for us today. And so let's open up our hearts once again. Father, we open our hearts to hear what thus saith the Lord to the church. And Lord, we just pray your word would, uh, would ignite in our spirits as we endeavor to become more and more like you and find out who we are in you for your glory and honor. And everyone said, amen. Last month, we talked about what? Anybody remember what our emphasis was last month? We, we're going to make missions our mission. We talked about accomplishing the mission of Jesus and the fact that missions is just not some foreign field somewhere that we send a few dollars to or try to help with a project from time to time. Missions is, ought to be our life. We ought to be supporters of missions, sure, but we need to realize that God has made us as missionaries. I want you to turn around, look at somebody, and, and just uh, maybe shake their hand and say, it's good to find a fellow missionary in the house of God. Amen. Josh, way to go. Good missionary. Good to see all the missionaries in the house of God today. And so we want to encourage you to take that mindset and begin to go out into your world and into the harvest field that God has for you and be a missionary, an ambassador for Christ. In fact, the passage of Scripture that uh, in 2 Corinthians says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so that was last month, and now kind of dovetailing into another thought today that certainly undergirds that premise is this. And here's what we're going to be talking about, even began on Wednesday night. We're going to begin talking about who are you? Look at your neighbor and say, who are you? I've got a story I could tell about that, but it doesn't quite apply, uh, but most people have heard it. If you've heard my first missionary story, uh, I'll just give you the highlights. I woke up my first day back after being gone for nine days, and uh, I, was, I, I thought I was awake, but I wasn't, and I, and I thought I was really in Honduras somewhere in a hotel room, and I reached over and felt Beverly in the bed, and I thought a stranger was in my bed in Honduras. And I jumped up on the bed in my deepest Honduran accent and said, Who are you? Uh, and my wife thought I had a Honduran demon. Uh, and she jumped and ran. And uh, it was a nightmare for sure. I was so glad I found myself at home and I was not in Honduras. But that's not really the content of this message. But that's uh, the, the, when you say, Who are you? Anybody that's ever heard that story thinks about that. In fact, I posted a little, this one line in, on Twitter this morning, uh, and I said uh, something along, discovering your true identity uh, uh, determines your destiny, and uh, then I said, who are you? And one of my old friends said, sounds like the story of you when you, you know, so it's, it's a world-renowned story. So, but anyway, we're going to talk about discovering your true identity in Christ, because Let's, let's connect last month and this month. How many of you know, until you know who you are in Him, it's hard to fulfill what He has for you to do, amen? And so hopefully and prayerfully this month, we'll begin to really delve off into that. In fact, Wednesday night, oop, you should have been here Wednesday night because we really began talking about this in, in detail and we started a, a really a Wednesday night series on, on discovering and developing your spiritual gifts. 
And we just got started last Wednesday night, so I encourage you to come. We talked about motivational gifts, and, and from Romans chapter 12, if you missed it, you can go online, you can go to iTunes and begin to discover your gift. In fact, I gave a website Wednesday night where you can go online, and uh, once you've uh, listened to the message, you can go online and take a, a motivational gifts test that is very, very accurate. I know Ryan uh, has taken it and, and uh, Rebecca took it. It's very accurate and uh, just really helps us kind of define who we are and discover who we are in Christ. And so I encourage you to do that. In fact, Wednesday night, we're going to talk about uh, the, the gifts of, uh, of Jesus to the church, the fivefold ministry and, and Ephesians chapter 4. And then the next Wednesday night, we'll be talking about spiritual gifts. And so uh, I encourage you to plug in and get involved on Wednesday night and discover your true identity in Christ and, and how he shaped you and made you. Our keynote verse this month is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I want us right now, if you don't have this memorized, I want you to mark it down. In fact, let's read it together. We're going to read it very slowly and clearly so you can plug into it and begin to memorize. You need to memorize this verse. Well, I, I didn't know this was Sunday school. And yeah, it's Sunday school. It's Sunday, and we're in school right now for a few moments. So let's read it together. Everyone together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Certainly defines the reality that in Christ we are new creations. Now, I know a lot of Christians who read that. Maybe you hear this morning going, yeah, I'm a Christian, but hey, I got to be honest. Old things haven't passed away in my life. In fact, some of them are still very much alive and they beat me up all the time. And, 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 and I'm really struggling with the old, trying to get out of the old into the new. And am I the only one that's ever found myself in that kind of place before? Well, here's the secret to this verse. How many of you want to know the secret? The secret is in these two words, in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. In fact, in the New Testament, <clears throat> the King James Version records at least 78 direct references to this phrase, in Christ. And there are many, many more inferences to this principle. And as I've shared with you over and over and over again, that little word, I-N, in is a very big word. It means fixed in a, in a stationary position. If there's anyone fixed in a stationary position in Christ, you get the picture now. In other words, I've developed a life of stability with him and, and he is mine and I am his and I'm in him and he's in me and, and the word of God is living and active in my life. And how many of you get in the picture now? When you get stability in your relationship with Christ, you begin to see that, hey, I'm a brand new creation in Christ. All things are beginning to be passed away and all things are being made new. Somebody say amen. But that's the secret. Everyone say in Christ. And that's our new identity. Our, our new identity is found in him. You see, before we give our lives to Christ, we have an identity. In fact, if you want to slip over, take a little quick uh, left to Ephesians or a little right to Ephesians. Look what Paul said about our BC ID. How many of you know we had a BC ID? 
the BCID in chapter 2 is this. It says, You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Here's our ID. Here's our identity before Christ. We once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's a key phrase for where we're going in just a few moments. Among whom also you, you all once conducted ourselves, or we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's our BCID. That's who we are before we give our lives to Christ. But when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and we begin to fix ourselves in him and begin to establish ourselves upon the rock, Christ Jesus. Oh, there's a lot of places I could go spontaneously there. But when that begins to happen in our life, uh, the new life in Christ begins to be realized. And those things that we thought were such a hassle and such a hang up, they just pass away. I got, I think I got one amen from the counselor here. I'm going to try that again. Those old things that we thought were such hang-ups, they just naturally pass away. Amen. And they become dead. You see, when, you know, today when, when we try to be nice, well, I have to tell you that so-and-so passed away. That means they died. Let me tell you, old things in our life need to just die. In fact, Paul said, I'm dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. Amen. And things began to be made new in our life. And so, so this is a real key verse for all of us. And I want, let's read it together again. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Everyone loud and proud. Here we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's our new identity in Him. And, and, and when we begin to discover and, and develop our new identity in Him, I want to tell you something. God begins to move in our lives in ways and means that you and I never realize. In fact, uh, understand this. Uh, our, our identity does determine our destiny. Our identity in Christ determines our level of impact in the world. I'm thinking of John chapter 15. Jesus said this in verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, or in Christ, there it is, that person who abides in Christ, who gets fixed in him, they bear much fruit. If you abide in me, you bear much fruit. And then he says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, let me just stop and say, that there's a lot of people who have made a confession that Jesus Christ is their Lord and the leader of their life, but he's not an actuality, really, <coughs> pardon me, the Lord and leader of their life. And so they are paralyzed in spiritual limbo because they are not pressing forward into their new identity in Christ. Could I get a better amen? And I want to encourage you today to realize to be in Christ is a process of becoming more like Him. It's, the, it's what we call the process of sanctification. You know, just a quickie uh, theological lesson is you're justified by Christ. By, in, you're justified by faith in Christ. You're, you're declared righteous, but you are sanctified by way of the process of God in your life. Amen? How many of you know it's a process? 
Turn around and tell your neighbor it's a process. And so that's where we're going. And this month, ooh, the more we understand who we are in Him, it will impact the way we live on planet Earth. It will change the destiny of God for our life. And could I tell you, there's a lot of people who have, have really skewed perspectives of who they are in Christ. I, I'm, I'm here today to begin to clear the spiritual air. And the first thing I want to share with you this morning about our identity in Christ that, that sounds so simplistic, and we, we would all confess this to be the case in our life, but understanding what, this, what I'm about to tell you and living it out is a whole new thing. And the first thing I want to talk to you about in, in reference to our identity in Christ is the reality that we are all sons and daughters of God. Amen. All the sons and daughters of God say amen. In fact, ladies, I'm going to throw in daughters, but the Bible doesn't really reference you as a daughter of God. Uh, it's, we're all sons of God. It has nothing to do with, with our biology. Our, it's just that's a definition that God gave us. In fact, that's where Galatians comes in. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, But you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's all declare that one again. Galatians 3, 26 says this, but you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, when you gave yourself to Christ, when you had faith in him, you put your faith in him, you became what we call born again into the family of God. And, and, and just as Paul said, the old life has passed away. You have a brand new life in Christ by faith. Somebody say by faith. Now, that's huge for you and I to understand. You can't work your way into being a son of God. You can't earn your way into sonship with God. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. But we are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, you're saved by faith. Say amen. You're justified, you're, it's, you're declared righteous by faith. It's just as if I'd never sinned. We're protected by faith. In fact, Paul says we have the shield of faith that we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We're healed by faith. The Bible says if anyone's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him anoint him with oil. And the prayer of, come on, somebody stay with me. The prayer of? Faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. It's by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. And my friend, we are born again and become sons of God through faith in his name. Amen. And so today I want to talk to you about being a son of God, about being a daughter of God, and about the revelation that, that, you know, we would all say, amen, I'm a child of God, amen, I'm a son of God, amen, I'm a daughter of God, but we live far beneath our identity as sons and daughters of God. Are you with me? And so today I want to share some insight with you that I think is important for us to embrace in our life to determine our true identity in Him. And that is this, as sons and daughters of God, we've been adopted into the family. I don't know here, I'm sure that in this crowd there is someone who has been adopted into a family. In fact, if you're proud of that fact that someone loved you enough and chose you and you're adopted, uh, just lift your hand. Any, adopted, any people adopted here into a family? Oh, no kidding, nobody. Oh, there we go, there we go. Anybody else? Anybody else? Did you, did you tell 
You didn't tell him? <laughs> he just now found out? No, <laughs> that's funny. That's a joke. Amen. I'm adopted? Uh, wow. The Bible says in many different places, in Galatians, Romans, and Ephesians, that we've been adopted into the family. In fact, let me show you some because it's, these are hugely important. Romans chapter 8. Take a left and go back to Romans. Do I hear the pages turning? Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the what? The sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of what? Adoption. Someone say adoption. You receive the spirit of adoption whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. And so by the Spirit of God, through faith, we are adopted into the family of God. Uh, and, and according to my understanding, this is a little side note, according to my understanding of when Paul the Apostle wrote, wrote Romans chapter 8 and he said we've, we've been uh, we've received the spirit of adoption. And when he wrote Ephesians, which in chapter 1, we'll look at that in a moment. And even when he wrote Galatians, his understanding of adoption was this. In his day, when you were adopted into the family of God, into a family, and someone chose you and adopted you, you could never be uh, 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 excommunicated from the family. You were, you were their son or daughter for life, regardless of, 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 the, of what you do in the future. You become a part of that family. Now, an actual born son could be excommunicated from the family and lose his inheritance. But an adopted son or an adopted daughter could never lose their inheritance as a child of God. And so when Paul the Apostle, in many different places in Scripture, when he wrote that, he, his revelation and insight, uh, from my best understanding, is this. When you become a child of God through faith in Christ Jesus, you are adopted into the family and you can never be unadopted. Somebody say amen. Now, let me just throw this out. If you want to have insecurity in who you are as a child of God, you go right ahead. But my Bible tells me that once I'm adopted into the family, I'm in, my friend. And that ought to bring some great peace of heart. Amen. Somebody say amen. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. Look what he tells us. And we're going to look a lot uh, in Ephesians. But look what he says. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Just as he chose us in him. Someone say chose us. Chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to what? Adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He has adopted us into the family. That revelation, we could go eat lunch right now if we would just take that into consideration. But I want to help you kind of digest it a little bit this morning. As an adopted son, let me just tell you some things that you and I can have peace of mind about and we can embrace in our life as adopted sons and daughters of God. As an adopted son, the first thing you and I need to embrace, I've already read it to you, it is this, that we have been chosen by God to be his children. He chose you. It wasn't the luck of the draw. 
It wasn't rock, paper, scissors. Come on now. It was God looked down and he said, Ryan, I'm choosing you. He looked down and he said, I'm choosing you, Kobe. You are mine. In fact, you know what Jesus said in John 15? He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you that you should go and bear more, much fruit. I have chosen you. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. I read it just a moment ago. It says we were chosen in him. Amen. I love being chosen. The mental picture that always comes about is back when I was a kid, you always, at the re, on recess, you picked sides for whatever you were doing, whatever you were playing. And I was a little squirt, and I was always last. Oh, okay, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him. There I'd be. Okay, Sam, you can be on my team. That was kind of depressing. But how many of you know God, there's no second-class kids with God? Tell your neighbors, no second-class kids with God. He chose us all first. We're all first in his eyes. Somebody say amen. Now, let me just tell you, as an adopted son, you and I, in fact, you know, we, we have this mindset of being adopted. Oh, well, he is adopted. That's the whole wrong. No. He is adopted. You get the difference. Man, somebody loved me enough. To reach out and choose me. Amen. They chose me. Amen. Everybody say I'm adopted and proud of it. Because God chose me. The second thing from Ephesians you and I can learn as adopted sons and as children of God. That we're cherished by God. Ephesians chapter 5 says this about, and it's in reference to uh, how husbands ought to love their wives, but here it is in verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. God cherishes the church that he died for, that he chose, that he adopted into his family. He, ch he nourishes us and cherishes us. Two great words here, by the way. Nourish is a, is a, is a farmer-type term. It's a, it's, it's a horticultural, <laughs> if I can say this word. It's a horticultural word, if that's correct. It's, it's as a farmer tends the field and nurtures and, you know, and, and takes care of the field uh, as the Lord nourishes and takes care of the field and cherishes the church. That word cherish there in the Greek, it, it, the picture is as a mother hen broods over her chicks. How many of you know that's God with his adopted kids? Come on now, I'm preaching. Somebody ought to be saying amen. And come on. And, and as, as a mother hen takes care of her chicks and protects them and nurtures them and takes and watches over them and provides them, so God does with his adopted kids. Because he knows they need special care from God Almighty. Because we once had an identity where we were strangers and aliens, the Ephesians chapter 2 says. And, and, and without hope and having no God in this world and no hope in this world. But through the blood of Jesus, he brought us near and he cherishes us. You see, understanding your identity will change your destiny. When you realize that you are an adopted son of God, and you are chosen by him and you are cherished by him. And number three, let's move forward a little bit. Oh, here we go. It gets a little harder. You are chastened by him. 
Roman, pardon me, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and on through there talks about the chastening of the Lord. And it says the Lord chastens those whom he loves. He said if there's no chastening, there's no real sonship. But as a son, you have the benefit. And I'm telling you, it is a benefit. For the Father who loves you and chose you and cherishes you to chasten you and correct you and bring you into line with the will of God for your life. It's because he loves you. You know, I didn't believe it when I was growing up, but my parents would say this. Now, you know this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. Really? It doesn't seem that way because you're not the one screaming and wailing at the end of your father's bell. But the reality is... Our sin and our problems grieve God and they hurt him. And he loves us enough to chasten us and to tend to us and care for us. In fact, Hebrews says it doesn't, at the time, doesn't seem pleasurable. I don't know if you, about you, but I never said, oh, come on, Dad, hit me another round or two. It felt so good. It doesn't seem pleasurable. But afterward, the Bible says, it produces the blessing and benefit of God's righteousness in our life. Amen. And so we don't want to resist the loving, chastening hand of God who adopted us into his family. When we were dead in our sins and trespasses and by nature, sons of disobedience and children of wrath. I'll never forget my dad when I was a little boy. Little boy, we lived out in the country. And it was kind of spooky. And my dad was, the, was a truck driver. And so he had to leave his three kids and wife for two or three weeks at a time sometime. And so when we moved way out in the middle of nowhere, my dad said, we need a dog. We need a watchdog. I couldn't have been over four or five years old, but I remember going to the dog pound. And I saw all these little puppies going, <laughs> I said, I want that, I want that. I go, hee, hee, hee. Daddy didn't choose those. We got down to one pen, and I remember this little miniature German shepherd stood up. He, he, he was sitting all the way in the back of the pen. He was not the kindest looking. And we walked up to him, and my, my dad said, come here, come here. That dog went, oh. And as a little boy, I went, oh. My dad said, I want that one. You want that one? Oh. I want that one. And my dad took that little dog and trained him into the most faithful Watchdog. In fact, there, I re, I'll never forget this. The preacher came to visit us one day. Dad was gone, and we weren't home. And he came, and he got up to the door and knocked on the door. And when he turned around, there was Ace. Bless his heart. Ace was standing there between the, the, the car and the preacher going, oh. My dad chose the unlovely. And he, oh, I'm going to tear up over Ace. And we cherished that little dog. 
He protected us and loved us and served us. That's the way God does. And you know what? My dad chasing that dog to teach him how to be exactly what he needed him to be. How many of you know we're better than birds and dogs and everything? Amen. So, hey, we've been adopted. We've been chosen, cherished, chastened. And you know what? The benefit of being adopted, number four, we're changed. And that's where it really, when you begin to embrace your sonship, transformation begins. Catch this. When you begin to embrace who you are, I'm a new creation in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. Transformation begins to happen. Now go all, take a right, go all the way to 1 John chapter 3. Let me show you this, verse 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? Children of God. That's 1 John chapter 3. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Look in verse 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. And everyone has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. What's he saying? As sons, we were sons by faith in Christ Jesus, and as we embrace our sonship, we have the glorious knowledge that when he appears again, we shall be ultimately totally transformed. We're in a process right now of being more like him as we embrace our sonship. But when we see him, boom, we'll be like him. Somebody say amen. That's the revelation of an adopted son and daughter of God. And it brings great benefit. You see... My children have learned, even though I'm not Donald Trump and don't have a TV show and a jet airplane and big towers, they have learned that there are benefits to being a child of Sam Walker. My son has learned this over the course of time. When he was first starting to find his way in ministry, you know, I said, Nathan, I can help you. No, no, I make my own way. But one day he realized that, hey, the blessings of sonship uh, are, are, are great. If people know Pastor Sam and embrace him, they're going to know Pastor Sam's son and embrace him. And now, everywhere he goes, in fact, gosh, there have been places that he's preach that that uh, he didn't know they knew me and man oh you're pastor sam's son come on in and eat the fatted calf with the i mean i'm telling you it, it and so he's understood that and there are benefits you think there's not benefits to being a child of god oh it's innumerable but let me just give you some thoughts today as we wrap this up the blessings of sonship number one there's direct access there's always access. Ephesians 3.12 says this. I love, I love what Paul the Apostle said. He said in verse uh, 12, In whom we have boldness, speaking of Christ, and access with confidence through faith in him. How many of you know, as a son of God, we have access into the heavens? 
In fact, Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it is, says we can come boldly before the throne room of God that we might find mercy and grace to help us in time of need. We have access. My kids know they have access into my presence. They don't have to make an appointment with me. They don't have to talk to a secretary to get to me. They've got my, they can text me. They, in fact, they, they know I have access to them. Sometimes I text them and, and hey, tell them and send them voice messages at the strange, most unusual times. There's my dad. He wants access to me. And we have access with one another. And that's the way it is with God. When you become his son, you have direct access to him. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to pick a number. You can come right into his presence and say, God, and he says, here I am. Direct access. Amen. In fact, the Bible, there's so many places. If you go back to Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says this about this being adopted into the family of God. It says, uh, uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And we have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. We come right into his presence and we can call out, Father. And he's right there. Amen. Everyone say access. Number two, as a child of God, as a son of God, adopted into the family of God, we have inheritance. Now you're talking. Now you're talking my language. Everybody understands inheritance. Amen. My kids know they're not going to be much to fight over when we go to heaven. Nathan said all he wants is my 2 by 12 board that I have, or 1 by 12 board that I use as, as my TV tray when I eat. And he said, that's all I want. I said, that's a deal. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but as a child of God, we have inheritance. Look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Look what he said down in verse 11 as he's giving dissertation about we as sons of God. He goes on in verse 11. In him, there it is, in Christ, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Hey, now, did you get the past tense nature of that? Oh, gone, preacher. I didn't know we're having Bible study today. I wasn't paying attention. Hey, he said this. He said, in him we have. In other words, it's already established. Amen? In him also we have obtained an inheritance. You already have an inheritance. You, you don't earn your inheritance. You, you can't be disinherited. And as a child of God, you have eternal inheritance with him. Amen? And oh, and on and on and on we could go. Galatians talks about our inheritance and we're, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ and other passages. We have an inheritance that cannot be undermined. It cannot be taken back. We have an inheritance. Amen. God's not going to change his will on you. Hello. Scott, you have an internal inheritance with Christ as a son of God. We have inheritance. In him we have obtained. We already have it. It is ours. Amen. Number three, as a son of God, we have security. Oh, I love this. Ephesians chapter 1 says this about uh, what God has done for us as sons and daughters of God. Verse 13, in him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you having believed, catch this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Someone say sealed. 
In the Old Testament day, when you, when you wanted, uh, uh, the king wanted to identify his property, he put his seal upon it. In fact, if you remember, when, when Jesus was crucified and put into the tomb, they, the, 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 they said, let's put the Roman seal on it so no one will open it up. And we know that, hey, the authority of the government is here. It, 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 it determined your, the identity of things. It determined the, the ownership of things. And hear what the Bible says about us as sons and daughters of God, that we have great security because God, by way of the Holy Spirit, put his seal of identity upon us. You are mine. Amen. Somebody say we've been branded. Whoo. We've been branded by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, that when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, guess what? I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's going to be there. In fact, if you go back to Ephesians 1, it says this Holy Spirit that we were sealed with, it says who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I'm telling you, there's security in knowing that by way of the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been identified and sealed by the power of Almighty God. We belong to God. (coughs) Amen. And that makes me feel good. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. Whew. Amen. Number four, blessing of sonship. Not only access and inheritance and security, but number four, as we learn in here from Ephesians 1, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Christ in us, yes, by way of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Galatians says this, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, because you are sons... Uh, The Holy Spirit has been given to you in your hearts. You have the indwelling presence of God Almighty by way of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're secure and sealed in Him, but He's living on the inside of you. Somebody say amen. As a son of God, listen to this. As a son of God, you have the benefit and the blessing of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. How many of you thank God we don't have to run to some place, some geographical place, and sit outside some tabernacle and hope the priest does his job so we can be right with God? Listen, we've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, dwelling on the inside of us. Why? Because we're sons. Amen. And number five, and we could just keep going and going. One of the real blessings of sonship, being a child of God, being adopted in the family of God, is family. We got a new family. We were once, by nature, children of wrath. Oh, we had a bad family. Sons of disobedience. That sounds like a TV show. Bad, tattooed guys with big guns. We're sons of disobedience, children of wrath. We walked according to the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. 
verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together. And then chapter 2, the last little part, says in verse 19, and now therefore, therefore why? Because what Christ did for us, we who are far off, he brought us nigh, birthed us into the family of God, adopted us in the family of God. Verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's a family term. Members of a new family. Why? Because of faith in the Son of God. You have direct access because you've been adopted. That's who we are. Who are you today? When you leave this place, you ought to be able to say, well, bless God. Because of faith in Christ Jesus, I am a child of God. I've been adopted into the family of God. He chose me. Somebody say amen. He cherishes me and he chases me because he loves me and he changes me. He's making me more into him. And because I'm a son of God, I have, I have unlimited, unrestricted access into the presence of God Almighty. I have eternal inheritance in heaven. I have eternal security in my understanding as a child of God. And I've been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. God, by way of his Holy Spirit, abides in me as a son of God and I have a brand new family thank God for the for the blessings and benefits of sonship that's who I am in Christ and as I said earlier many people have a skewed perspective maybe because of how they were treated as a son in this life Daddy didn't always bless them. Mama didn't always bless them. And so we have a, a skewed and maybe a, a wrong perspective of God. He cherishes you. He loves you. You are his child. Let's stand together. Father, today we thank you for who we are in Christ. We thank you that even when we were dead, even when we were sons of disobedience and children of wrath, you reached into the dog pound of life. You chose us to be a part of your family. You chose us to be your child. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, thank you for the transformation that's beginning. But Lord, I pray for these today that may be here this morning who have never really embraced the real understanding of sonship. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I came to tell you today that God's not mad at you. He's not here to punish you. He's, he's here to provide for you, bless you.
not ready to harm you. He's ready to help you. You just got to embrace who you are. Who are you? Somebody here today has let their past identify them. In fact, society may have labeled you. Well, he's a no good. He's a misfit. He's a problem child. He's a cut up. He's a bum. That's not who Jesus says we are. We've been listening to the wrong voices, following the wrong faces. Finding your identity in the whole wrong neighborhood. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Father, now I pray for this church family that they and we together would begin to find ourselves fixed and established in you. Discover and develop our new identity in Christ as sons and daughters of God. And Lord, we stir up our faith once again and we thank you for who we are in Christ. I want you right now just to say thank you, Lord, for who I am in you. I embrace who I am to you and who you are to me. You're my father, and I've been adopted into the family. And now let's begin just to cry out through that, because we've been adopted, let's cry out, Abba, Father. Let's begin to just cry out to our Father, God, who loves us and cherishes us, tends us and, and, and nurtures us. Lord, we call out to you, and we thank you, Lord, for direct access to you. Lord, we love you today. We thank you that you chose us, that you're changing us you're challenging us and correcting us and chastening us you cherish us with your love thank you Lord